Why did you initially get into leadership? Like what, what initially interested you in becoming a leader? And have you lost track of that? Or are you as connected to that purpose or cause as you once were? I'll explain to you in a minute why I'm thinking about it. For me, leadership is all about the impact you can have on one person's life. No matter how large the team is, at the end of the day, it's really about that one individual. And today I want to talk about loyalty to the people we lead. This is the Decide to Lead podcast. I'm Russ Hill. The podcast is for those who've made the decision to lead and are looking for ways to more effectively influence others so they can accelerate delivering results. Welcome in. This is the Decide to Lead podcast with Russ Hill. Okay, I announced in the last episode that we've got changes coming to the podcast. Here is what you can anticipate in the next few weeks. I'm going to get into uh, into my the, the real topic of this episode in just a few minutes, but I uh, I've got to talk to you for just a second about uh, about the changes that are coming up because I'm super excited about it. I want to keep you up to date on it. So we've got a new name for the podcast. We've got kind of a new format. It's it, it, The only difference in the format is we're going to have a lot more guests on. There's still going to be plenty of episodes where I am up on, up on my soapbox like I am again today, where I'm sharing my observations, my experiences, and it's just me and you. Nobody else, just me and you. And uh, so I'm still going to do that. I'm not going away from that, but I'm, but I'm going to inject into the, the, the schedule of episodes, lots of interviews. Let me, let me tell you about what we've got in the form of interviews. Over 19 guests are already booked on the show, like 19 people in just the next several weeks and months that we've already got booked. And they are, it's crazy when you look at this list of who we've invited uh, to the show. I've already done a bunch of the interviews, several of them. In fact, let me tell you about a couple of them just real quick. I, I, all of them are fascinating. That's why we picked them. And, uh, but let me tell you about a couple. So, one of them, I did this interview last week. It is with who I would consider to be one of the one of the best experts on Jeff Bezos's leadership style. This man has really devoted his life over the last few years to studying how Jeff Bezos leads. And uh, and man, there's so much more I could say. And just fascinating insight of what this man learned studying Amazon and how we can, as leaders of our teams or organizations or entrepreneurs or wherever we are, what lessons we can take away and apply. So I'm, I'm super excited to get that, that, um, that interview to you. Then there's this Harvard Business School professor. Well, she was at the time, but then Uber, the uh, ride-sharing company Uber recruited her to come help them fix their culture when it turned into a massive disaster. And the company was, the future of it was in doubt because of these major controversies that happened. And so she left, she kind of went on a sabbatical from Harvard to go help save Uber. And I, I interviewed her just a few hours ago, as a matter of fact. Fascinating interview, an awesome individual. I'm so excited to introduce you to her. And the list goes on and on and on. So I, I, I want to bring so much more value to you um, in, in this podcast. And so I'm excited about the new, the, uh, the new name of the show, uh, the new direction, um, what we're keeping consistent and the same. To me, this is just an upgrade. I'm hoping that you will view it the same. I've already started receiving messages from some of you um, since I uh, since I uh, announced some changes, and I'm uh, I'm appreciative of your feedback, and I'll be even more appreciative of it um, when the new episodes roll out, which I think is probably a couple of weeks away because we've got a lot of work in the background that that I want to do. 
because one of the reasons we're making this change is that I'm all the guests now are recorded on video. Now that everybody's got the capability to do that, we're all used to being on Zoom. I want to build this library of incredible experts on leadership and culture and all these all these ways that we can more effectively lead. And so I don't just want the audio, I want the video as well so that you can share it. So, you know, you can, if you think, wow, that was a powerful statement that so-and-so made in that podcast interview, I want you to be able to go over to YouTube, grab that 90 second clip and play it in your next staff meeting or department meeting, or send the link to a few of the leaders on, on your team. And I, I, right now you have to send a, a podcast link and, and anyway, I won't get too much more into the weeds. I'm super excited about it. The change is coming up in the next few weeks and a lot of work going on in the background um, that uh, will become more public in the days ahead. And I'm trying to keep you up to speed so you feel like I didn't bring this change on you. Suddenly, you're not going to have to subscribe to a new podcast. Nothing's going to change except the name in your podcast app. This show will be called something else, and the artwork will look a little different, and so on and so forth. Okay, let's get into the topic, why you're actually listening to this episode right now. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to do something I don't think I've ever done before in an episode. I'm going to read to you um, something that I wrote, and I hope I hope this works. I hope you find value in it. And before I read it, I want to give you a little bit of background. Um, I left the media business when my job became a an executioner. When 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 we stopped growing after the uh, the 08 recession. And it became clear to me that most traditional media companies, TV stations, radio uh, stations, uh, newspapers, that sort of thing, most of them were not going to innovate fast enough to, 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 to survive or th- actually they were I, I thought they would change enough to to survive. But I didn't think they would thrive in the years to come. And I and I and I was sitting there looking at, you know, two and a half, three more decades of my career. And I felt like, you know what? Our growth days are over in traditional media. You look at in, in the state I live, the Arizona Republic, the newspaper, which became the AZ Central, azcentral.com. And it is pathetic what that is like now. And I mean no disrespect to anybody who's there who's a great journalist working their their you know, working their heart out to try to produce good journalism, but it is, it is a shell of its former self. AZ central is it, it, it does not contain very good journalism where the Arizona Republic, the statewide newspaper was amazing for so many years. It was a, it was a great newspaper that did a lot of things. Well, they've just been slashing and slashing and slashing. And so I saw the same thing was going to happen in, in the broadcast news business that, yeah, we would still be around and we'd still be profitable and we'd still be able to employ plenty of people, but our audience was not going to dramatically grow. If you looked at the trend line over long term. And um, there are a few exceptions to that, but most that's proven to be mostly true. So my job, as money started to leave that industry, my job became to downsize, cut this out of your budget, cut that out of your budget, cut this out of your budget. So I just found myself in more and more meetings where the people I reported into were asking, okay, well, why is he here? What about uh, eliminating that? I thought, ah, this is not where I want to be. I don't want to be somebody who spends their life cutting and slicing away. 
I want to be in a growth company where we are hiring and expanding and launching new things and, and, and going like that. And, and so, um, so I, during this time when I found myself cutting, uh, expenses, a lot of times I would be faced with decisions about loyalty. Sometimes I didn't have any real say there was no real choice I just had to slice off 10% or 20% of expense. And so people that I dearly love that I didn't want to, to, to see go would, would have to exit the organization because we'd have to just remove something. But a lot of times I did have choices and I'd look at, you know, uh, my boss at, you know, at any given time would ask me, what about that person? I would think, are you kidding me? I understand that that person's not producing quite as much as they used to, but we're not paying them in the grand scheme of things. We're not paying them a fortune and they have been loyal to this company for decades. And, and so I, I want to make sure I want to be an advocate for loyalty. And again, I know there are hard decisions sometimes where we have to cut and loyalty as much as it pains us. We can't do anything about it, but I want to advocate and, and be a voice championing before you eliminate expense, really determine or think about how much has that person given to your organization, your team. And I want to cause you to, if you've ever been placed in that situation, which so many leaders are in this year, 2020, I want to cause you to think twice about cutting somebody. And so with that said, I want to read you. I used to be, I used to write a lot more than I do now. I used to blog um, every few weeks or every few months. And I had a blog going on the internet. Uh, hardly anybody ever saw it. I didn't really write it for other people. I wrote it for me. And I want to, I want to read to you. I hope this works a blog entry. I wrote this week in the year 2012. So I'm still in this situation where I'm cutting expense. We're still the economy. It's not the worst of, you know, the housing market uh, bubble and burst and the economic downturn. Things are starting to, they've stabilized now, but the economy, if you remember, it did not grow. It did not grow very much for very many years. The, the, the down, the downward spiral spiral stopped after a while, but then we were just in this anemic. Do you remember this? Like anemic, barely any growth for year after year after year. I think we've forgotten that that's how it was. And so that's where things were when I wrote this. And I'm just going to read it to you verbatim. Ross, <laughs> that's the first sentence I wrote. Ross, I can still hear her, hear her deep raspy voice calling my name from her small cubby outside my office door. She would be holding on to her coffee mug as she called for me. I don't think I ever saw her without that thing in her hand. Harriet Hinman was straight out of the Edward R. Murrow era. Her wrinkled skin, big hair, deep voice, and no-nonsense attitude made you wonder if she and Murrow ever shared a foxhole during the German attacks over London. In a world dominated by tweets, blogs, and apps, she was the living museum in the KTAR newsroom. We all wondered where Facebook, smartphones, and texting would take us. Excuse me, as we all wondered where Facebook, smartphones, and texting would take us, Harriet reminded us of where we had been. 
as we transform the nearly 90-year-old KTAR into two separate radio stations and a digital media destination, I spent a good deal of time studying budget sheets and trying to decide where we should allocate our resources. Innovation meant redirecting money to new positions, and that meant eliminating some of the old ones. Leadership demands making tough decisions. As I stared at those budget sheets year after year, Harriet's name seemed to be in bold. How could I justify keeping her around when I was spending so much of my time preaching in our staff meetings about innovation? I spent a good deal of time thinking about that question year after year. And each year, when it came time to email the Excel spreadsheet up the chain of command, I always ended up leaving Harriet's name on it. I did it for one reason, loyalty. I don't know how many years Harriet worked at KTAR, but I knew she had been there a lot longer than me and far longer than anyone I reported to. She had seen managers come and go. She had held virtually every title in the newsroom. She had helped packed up the boxes each time the station moved further and further away from the city center. Harriet didn't see the world the way I did. She wasn't as impressed as I was by new gadgets. She didn't want to hear about the new way of doing things. But she always followed the direction that was given to her. And she did it without complaint. In fact, she hardly ever said anything. She showed up before the crack of dawn every day for decades. She sat at her typewriter and then her keyboard and typed, typed and typed. She typed the news all day, every day. The only breaks she ever took were to go to the coffee pot to refill that mug. Sadly, that mug now sits on the counter empty. Harriet Hinman passed away last week. She died suddenly. She knew she wasn't healthy, but almost no one else did. She waited to pick up the phone to call her sister back east until the very last moment. She wanted to leave us as quietly as she lived amongst us. She saw no value in telling others she was dying of cancer. The revelation would only burden others with something they could do nothing about. And so she waited until the very end to pick up the phone and say goodbye. I've never been accused of being a perfect boss. My mistakes as a leader have been many. But today, as I've been reflecting on Harriet Hinman, I'm grateful for the decisions I made each year before I sent that spreadsheet up the chain of command. Rest in peace, Harriet. And thanks for teaching me the value of loyalty. I hope you're all healthy. Hope you're doing well. We'll talk to you soon.